Welcome to Toothonomics, the podcast about the business and economics of running your dental office. Hello, and welcome to Toothonomics. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Clary. We've got a great episode for you today. We'll start with a conversation with renowned speaker and author, Kelly Jakes. She'll share with us why self-care is important to the economic health of a dental office, as well as some of the useful tips on how to practice good self-care. Then, we'll close out the show with a Toothonomics 101 lesson on the sunk cost fallacy. As always, we'd like to thank our generous sponsor, Cirrus Dental. Whether you're looking to move away from PPOs or boost your patient satisfaction, Cirrus Dental can help you set up and run a successful in-office membership program. Visit MyCirrusDental.com to learn more about and sign up for a free personalized webinar. That's M-Y-C-I-R-R-U-S-D-E-N-T-A-L.com. Let's get to our interview with Kelly. As a healthcare provider, what led you to focus on self-care? Well, there was a couple of things, Tom. I do teach and provide continuing education and keynotes all across the country in the dental and medical fields. So I was in contact with many, many providers who were suffering from burnout, suffering from overt stress. Um, and it was like, I need to be talking about this. Uh, how are we going to, what can we do for our own selves to help ourselves within our profession to be at the top of our game? So it started there. And then actually in two years ago, 2018, my husband of, at that time, 18 years, um, he is a general surgeon and he had been practicing for over 30 years and he suffered a complete mental and physical breakdown in September of that year. And it was all from accumulated stress and from not being able or not taking care of himself mentally and physically. And so that was a huge crash and change in our family, as you can imagine, uh, necessitated him um, retiring three years early, but so, you know, we're two years out from there and doing much, much better. <laughs> Life is better, but it really hit home. Not only is this, I know unrelenting stress and overwhelm. I know from practitioners in dentistry and medicine that we, we suffer from this, but it also is a very personal story to me. So I love to empower people in the notion of taking care of themselves and putting their self-care first. So, so this sounds like a, a very important topic, given everything that's going on right now. Um, before we get into the details here, could you briefly define uh, what self-care is so we're all on the same page? Self-care really is any act that we do deliberately, choosing deliberately to take care of our physical, mental, and emotional health. So, you know, we, we all brush our teeth as healthcare providers and we do that without even thinking. So, of course, that is part of self-care, but I'm talking about the choices we make in our day, in our schedule, in our lives that honor our bodies, honor our emotional health, feed our bodies, and feed our emotional self. So that's everything ranging from making sure you're getting your workouts, physically, physical workouts in, to what kind of food are you putting in your body, to do you spend any time alone with yourself each day, checking in, you know, do you do a grateful, gratefulness journal, do you practice affirmations, um, do you get outside 10 or more minutes a day to get the fresh um, air breathing in. So all of those types of things, 
belong into self-care. It's what are we deliberately doing to honor our physical, emotional, and mental selves and keep us healthy. So how does self-care impact the economics of, of a dental business? I'm so glad you asked that because sometimes people think, whoa, self-care, that's just woo-woo, you know, that's just really not down to the nuts and bolts. But the truth of the matter is if you as the employer and also your employees are operating at the top of their game, they're going to uh, be much more productive in your practice. They are going to impact the company culture, right? We've all been in offices where there's one very negative person, right? Or an angry person or someone who just sucks the energy out of the room. Well, that plays out in the culture of the office and that actually plays out in the productivity of the office. Because if you have people who are engaged with your office goals, you're on the same page, you have meetings where everyone is uh, honoring each other and listening to each other, well, of course that train is going to lead to more production. Uh, just, you know, for example, if I'm a hygienist and I'm unhappy in my own life or I'm unhappy with my employer because I feel like I'm not being, oh, I don't know, um, honored for the education I have, you know, a hygienist could very well not tell the dentist what they see in the mouth. This is a very simple example, right? The hygienist spends 45, 50 minutes with the patient. The dentist comes in for three to five, 10 minutes for an exam. And in the offices I've worked at where everyone is operating at the top of their game, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with my employer dentist. Here's what I see. Please check, you know, distal of 31, et cetera, et cetera. That all leads to production. But I think the biggest um, bucket of bang for your buck with having self-care practices where you are operating with a glass half full, not half empty, is that a patient knows that when they walk into the office, right? What does your patient feel when they come to the practice? Because we know the greatest driver of economics in dentistry is patient retention and patient referral. And nobody's going to refer to your office if they feel uncomfortable or if they see people who are unhappy and maybe sharp with them. Or you can, you can tell what's happening in an office when you walk in there. So for me, that's really, you, do you want patient retention? Yes. Do you want patient referral? Yes. Do you want your um, team working with you all towards the same financial goals? Yes. Well, then we've got to take a step back and say, what are you doing in your own personal life and in the professional realm to honor the physical and mental health of yourself and your employees. You think about um, your resources in your practice and really hiring is typically one of the biggest resource investments, right? For any small or large business, because you're not only just hiring and then you've got to train, you've got to get them up to speed, how it works in your office. So employee retention would be a negative economic impact by not having a healthy, happy office. So not only patient retention, but employee retention, because that's usually the highest amount of money and resource it takes for us to, to get another employee in there who can do the job like we want to. So that would be one way that um, your economics of your practice are negatively affected. But let's flip the switch there. Let's honor your staff. Let's 
get together as a team where if I'm a your hygienist and I see the economic goals of the practice and I know how that's also going to affect me positively, I'm going to be on board with you, doctor. I want to work with you. I want to um, reach those economic goals together. Or it could be the other way. Perhaps we want to um, cut expenses, right? So if we have an open dialogue and I feel like I am working at the top of my game, you're working at the top of your game, we can have an open dialogue about, well, how could we uh, lower costs in the hygiene department, for example? Um, and then we could have dialogue about it rather than just making unilateral decisions that your team is not on board with. When you say to people, I know I should work out, I know I should eat better, um, it sounds to me kind of like uh, flossing. Um, you know, we talk to our patients about uh, flossing all the time, and most of them are, are pretty good about brushing, but it's really tough to get someone to do something new and to change a habit. How do you do that? <laughs> good question. First of all, if you want to change a habit, I think you have to be aware of choices. Just like when we tell our patients or we want them to floss, I've often said, it doesn't matter if you floss or use soft picks or a water pick, you just have to do something, right? You have to do something to clean in between your teeth. So you give them choices. So what is it in self-care? Maybe it's someone who needs to get more physical activity in their life, for example. So well, what are the choices you have and what, are the cho what do you like to do, right? Do you like to swim? Or did you like to swim as a younger person? Well, where is the nearest pool that you could join and when could you go swim? Or, I don't like to run, but I have lots of friends who are runners. I'm not going to run, but I'm going to reach out to my friends and we'll walk an hour every Saturday morning, for example. If you're trying to create a new habit, it really helps to connect that habit with something that is already pleasurable for you, right? For example, I love to eat lunch. Lunch is my favorite meal of the day. So whether I'm traveling, whether I'm home, I'm going to have lunch. But I also, as a self-care, need to take my vitamins. I need to take my supplements. And those, it's so easy to forget to do that. I talk to so many people say, oh, I know I should have fish oil. I know I should have vitamin D. And I just ugh, forget to take them. So you add a new behavior with a behavior that you already, that brings you pleasure, right? So eating lunch brings you pleasure. I love it. And so I have created the system in my life after lunch I take my supplements it's and I floss my teeth so I do two things every single day after I eat lunch right I take my supplements which is easy to forget floss my teeth which is easier to fly on by and not do so you to get a behavior it's helpful to tack it onto something that you love right because it helps us do it more so let's say you need to do yoga st stretches well, um, let me see. Do you love watching, what do you love to watch at night, right? Do you love to watch a, a half hour program, hour program on Netflix? Well, get out your yoga mat or your towel, wherever you're going to stretch, and actually stretch while you're watching your show. So then you're getting that positive enforcement of the thing you love, the show you like to watch, and you're getting a new, uh, starting a new behavior. And you, your mind then associates it with something pleasurable. That's a unique way of, of trying to get someone to, to motivate them um, yeah. in terms of, you know, finding something that you really like. Self-care involves both physical and mental health. What are some of the key things a busy dentist can do for physical health? 
Yeah, great question. I'm saying uh, throughout the day, when you finish with a patient, don't just stand up, right? Stand up, stretch, reach your hands up to the ceiling, right? Stretch all the way up through your belly to the top of the ceiling. And then do another stretch where you lay your um, head down between your knees and just let your upper body hang, right? From your hips, it's gonna pull out your lower back before you sit down to take care of another patient. So I think stretching is super important in between patients. Even if you are turning from your waist up in your chair to turn your spine left and right, we forget sometimes just a simple stretch how good it feels. Remember how it feels when you get up in the morning and you yawn and you stretch? Those are the types of things we could do throughout the day, a dentist, as they get up from their chair. Another thing that's super important for physical care in dentistry is having the correct equipment, right? Because ergonomics is a huge physical stressor in dentistry. So do you have the correct lights, whether they're on your head, whether they're above you or both? Do you have the correct ergonomic chair for your specific seat, the way you like to sit, the way you like to have your feet and the way you turn and your arms when you're working? Um, and today in the COVID, what's the PPE that you're using, right, for physical health? And how can you manage to keep yourself safe and yet still being able to practice? So I think equipment is really important. One physical thing that I think we forget about in dentistry is ear protection, right? Years and years of listening to those, the drills and the sounds of dentistry can really take a toll on our hearing. So there's very simple things we can do in our daily work practice to help with our physical health. And then, of course, I mentioned it before, your lifestyle of movement. Could you take a walk at at your lunch hour or your 10-minute break, whatever it is you get? When you get home, depending on how old your your children are or what's in your family situation, you know, could you go for a quick jog while your child's on a bike? Could you say to the family, I've been sitting all day, I've got to get outside, right? It's a mindset of a lifestyle of movement. So those are things I think that are particularly important in the world of dentistry. So how can a dentist invest in self-care for staff? I think, again, it has to do with um, the attitude. If you have a staff member and a valued staff member, let's say you have a hygienist that says, uh, Mrs. Jones is coming in later in the week. I'm going to need 60 minutes to see her rather than the normal 45, let's say, for example. Well, that's one way you're investing in the, in the self-care of your staff because you are believing in them, you are trusting them, and you're allowing them the time they need to do the job for you and for that patient. Another way to invest in self-care is... I have a dental friend who has a chin-up bar in the office and at lunchtime they do little competitions, right? Like how many chin-ups can you do, you know, and they help, um, help them up with their feet and they make it a little competition. Uh, many offices, depending on where you live, become involved in the community, right? In fun runs or in golf tournaments and things like that. And all that that has to do with physical and mental health, that is helping the well-being of your practice and your staff. So a lot of the work to train as a dentist is very demanding and time-consuming. What can an early career dentist do to set themselves up for a healthy life and practice? Yes, that's hard. (laughs) 
but again, it comes down to mindset. So, and I do think the younger generations of new dentists coming out are, are doing a much better job than um, those in my generation of their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And it's because it is a life balance. And you look at your career as a life balance, not as an end-all and be-all, right? Your career is something you do, hopefully to satisfy your work ethic and your work goals, but also, you know, to pay your bills, et cetera. But it's, it's, it's work, right? It's only your work. You have a whole life besides work. So you have to um, have that balance. Um, sometimes I say it's not really work-life balance. It's you're going to work hard and then you're going to play hard, right? So dental school is working hard. You are working hard to get through that. And it's a season of your life. So when you get out, you get to decide how do you want to practice. Many dentists, young dentists these days, I think it's over 35%, are not going into private practice. They're going into working for a DSO or into a public health situation. Why? Because then they don't have to deal with the economics so much of the day-to-day -day of the practice. They don't have to deal with the hiring and firing. They don't have to deal with the HR issues. So you get to decide how you want to work and how you want to live. You, do you want to have a private practice and take all that uh, loveliness, the stress, the good and the bad, the risk and reward that goes with that? Or do you want to work for a corporation? Do you want to work for an educational institution? So I think those kinds of decisions of how you want to live your life play into your setting up a life where you are taking care of yourself. So I was looking at your blog, which has a lot of great information. Uh, one of the things I like to have is systems. Uh, so I can intentionally manage one variable at a time. Uh, one of the blog posts was about starving your distractions. Could you tell me what that means? <laughs> starving your distractions. Yes. Um, some of us, many of us, it's easy to be distracted. Like, what is a job you have to do today? Right? Today, you are doing this podcast, for example, and it is so easy to look away and that, that squirrel syndrome of, of the shiny object over here, or I need this new piece of equipment for the practice, or, or I want to get into uh, more into endodontics, or I want to, right? It's distracting you instead of saying, what are my goals for today? Self-care goals, work goals, and what do I need to do to pursue those and put the other distractions aside. It has to do with boundaries. It has to do with one of the systems that I like, Tom, is I like you and everyone else, I have a million things to do in a day. And then I have many things I want to do in a day. So it, when I get up in the morning or mostly the evening before, what are the top three things I need to get done tomorrow, right? Now, the top three things may be I need to work nine and a half hours at the office. I need to walk for 30 minutes. I need to remind my spouse how much I love them. Right? Three things. Whatever your top three things are. And then when those three things are done, the rest is gravy. Then you can have distractions after that. But it's having those boundaries within your life to say, I've got to do this today. And I am not going to look at this other shiny object or, or even good idea until those three are done. So tell me about the free reference you've created for our listeners. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, 
I have created a free reference for your listeners, and it's the um, top 10 stress busters for busy professionals. And it's a free download. Just go to kellyjakescoaching.com, K-E-L-L-I-J-A-E-C-K-S coaching.com slash stress. kellyjakescoaching.com slash stress. You'll get an email and you'll click to get a free download. And it's, it's really um, lovely, simple, doable steps you can do today to uh, lower stress, physical and mental stress. So Kelly, uh, how can our, our listeners get a hold of you? Great. Yes. Just um, my website is kellyjakes.com, K-E-L-L-I-J-A-E-C-K-S.com. I can answer any uh, emails there or any questions. I invite people to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and um, Instagram. I do, Tom, offer a weekly self-care email tip. I call it a self-care blast. And people who sign up uh, can do that on my website or by, by downloading kellyjakescoaching.com slash stress, the top 10 stress busters. And um, then you'll, in, your, in your inbox, you'll get every single week a self-care tip. Excellent. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And now for Toothonomics 101. This week's we look at the sunk cost fallacy. First, a quick definition. A sunk cost is something you've already spent money on. And, this is important, there's no way to get your money back. The sunk cost fallacy comes into play when your emotions start treating the sunk cost differently than you rationally should. Let's say you just bought new practice management software, and you spent $15,000 training your staff to use it. But it turns out the software is a bust, and not at all useful in your office. Should you keep it? Or move back to the old system? Rationally, you should move back to the old system. But the $15,000 would seem like a waste if you did. So emotionally, you decide to stick with the old system even though it doesn't work well and frustrates your staff. You don't want to waste all the money you spent on training, even though keeping the software is costing you money. The sunk cost fallacy comes into play anytime money you've already spent irrationally influences a future decision. It affects all of us. So it's something to watch for when you're making decisions. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast and tune in next time for more on the business and economics of your dental office.